0: Welcome back. Welcome in to Country Roads Confidential at EarSports.com. I am Mike Casaza. You may remember Chris Anderson. Chris, welcome back from the And <laughs> hey, What's
1: this What's this thing in front of you, Mike? How, how does this thing work? What's going on here? You're doing great. Tap on it.
0: Talk into it. Just <laughs> listen to me answer my questions. You'll be fine.
1: <laughs> I think I can figure it out. Uh, hopefully. It has been quite a while since uh you and i have podcasted uh, together it feels i mean i guess it's only been a couple weeks but it feels a little bit longer
0: what is of greater concern to you when you're gone in the woods camping with no electricity no recharging no internet connectivity is the fear of something happening big substantial something you want to have your hands on or something big substantial something you want to have your hands on happening and i'm the only one in charge <laughs>
1: No, I have faith that you can handle it when I'm gone. But, yeah, I do feel like, uh, you know, every once in a while something unexpected might happen. Um, As you know, we we had some things prepared just in case, some stories that we were prepared to uh, that might happen while I was gone. Uh, They didn't. Uh, It might happen before you even listen to this podcast or in the next couple of days. But uh, sometimes it's unexpected. And I'm always wondering, you know, what's going to happen That moment I get back to civilization, the moment I get back down the mountain to Interstate 79 and my phone reconnects to the world and it's 80,000 dings and buzzes and beeps, what's going to be in there? I mean, most of it's junk, but when you start getting seeing text text messages and voicemails, you get concerned about what it might be because when you get voicemails, I don't know about you, but when I have voicemails, I'm like, oh, that's important. No, nobody leaves voicemails anymore. So it must be important.
0: Yeah, I get rattled when the phone rings, because <laughs> I know that my car warranty is fine because I've only had about a hundred of those phone calls, and I hang up in every one of them. But um, I don't know a three hundred four number or something like that. That always kind of spooks me for some reason. There, um, but yeah, I get that. I don't know. It's a weird thing going out, going away like that, where there's no no way to be connected to the outside world. That's. Again, that's kind of rattling. Like, I mean, I'll go to the beach or I'll go somewhere. I'll just put my phone in the in the drawer next to my bed and not really use it. But I always can. But the fact that, like, you're in a tent and even if you wanted to use your phone because, like, there's a bear outside or something like that, you can't do anything. That's that's like another level that you're, you're kind of like a high wire that a net there.
1: Yeah. And it was strange because like uh, the second night we were there, we're looking up and we're like, is it going to rain? Maybe do we need to adjust stuff? how do I look this up? You know, I can't go to weather.com. I can't look at the weather on my phone. Can't even pull it, that up. And so kind of flying blind, trying to figure out if it, what the weather's going to be. And by the way, got absolutely poured on in that tent with two children, uh, all night long, uh, and it ended up. Okay. Kids slept entirely through it. No leaks in the tent. So no big deal. But yeah, you know, so that whole evening was like a reminder of, oh yeah, no internet. And it's important sometimes to have that stuff on your phone thought you were going to say that
0: you looked up and there actually
1: was a bear. <laughs> no, uh. no, no, no.
0: Big 12 media days start Wednesday. West Virginia's up first half of the event. Second half of the conference in the second half, uh, Mountaineers six in the preseason poll, one preseason, all conference player, according to the media that voted kind of run over this a little bit with the podcast, Chris, um, that I did Thursday or Friday morning. Um, I don't know if there's any surprises in here too, and I kind of broke it down. There's 39 people that voted. I'm guessing a lot of them are people who are in Texas or near the University of Texas or cover Texas or some of the schools, so you kind of see some skewed results there where maybe Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, they probably have the highest concentration in media covering it. They get, I don't know, maybe more of their players on there because they know some of the players more than others that they cover, but I'm not sure you expected a whole lot higher in the preseason poll for West Virginia. I do think it's kind of strange that Letty Brown was a first-team all-conference player at the end of last year, and I looked this up. Um, just take my word on this. He's still on the team. Oh, good. Good to but hear. He's, but he's not a preseason all-conference player, and yet I don't really have a problem with it. Obviously, Brees Hall is going to be one of the running backs. Uh, B. John Robinson from Texas was the other one. You could talk about maybe Alonzo would die, but the the secondary in the Big 12 is going to be really good. Like your second team players are going to be good players at the end of the season. He was second team last year, didn't make preseason All Conference this year, and beyond that, I don't know who else you would put in All Conference consideration. Um, but again, sixth place, one player on the All Conference team. There's not a second team or honorable mention like in the postseason. But um, I don't know anything strike you about either the standings, the the teams. Relative to West Virginia or anybody else in the conference that uh, you'd like to revisit here?
1: No, I think that, you know, the Letty Brown thing was the first thing that caught my eye when I saw that email. But I don't hate it because, again, you got Brees Hall. And like, are you going to argue against Brees Hall being on that first team? No. So then you come down to Robinson and Brown. And this is a vote for a projection of what's going to happen, Mm -hmm. what you think will happen this coming year. And to think that Robinson from Texas is going to have an amazing year. That ain't crazy. I mean, mean, we've seen this guy like do extremely well in limited snaps and limited carries. And he's going to take on a bigger load too. So to think that he might be the, one of the top two running backs in the league is not a crazy thought. So him overtaking Letty Brown, uh, I don't have that big of an issue with it. I do agree with you. I think that uh, there is a little bit of that Texas Oklahoma bias. It, I don't. I, I hate the word bias. It's just, as you noted. It's more just what they know, what what people know. And I feel like the majority of those thirty nine voters are from that area, and they know Texas and they know the guys on that roster, and they know the guys in the TCU roster and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And outside of that, maybe they don't. Maybe they're not that familiar with the guys at West Virginia. Unless they had big games against the team that they covered, so nothing crazy here. I didn't. I mean, where did where did you put West Virginia in your preseason poll? Sixth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I, I would have been fifth or sixth. So unsure about. I'm unsure about the TCU situation, but yeah. I mean, that's that's right in the the wheelhouse.
0: Still's is encouraging because he's one of those players that the stats don't necessarily tell the story of him. And the coach has kind of hit us over the head with this all the time that, you know, he does things that um, impact the play. Otherwise, you know, he can shut off an edge and the ball gets in the middle. And that's why Darius gets tackles or why Tony Fields gets tackles. But by him doing his job, other people get to do their job. Uh, Scouting services love him. Like the power, excuse me, pro football focus had him as one of the best interior defensive linemen against the run and overall last year. So he gets some recognition there. I was encouraged by that. Um, and then again, I just I just didn't have room for anybody else. Josh Chandler Sumido was another one, but again, your your linebackers are pretty good um, that are on the on the single all conference team for the preseason. So I don't know that doesn't really offend me there. Um, but offense or defense, if you could pick the postseason team now, so a little bit of a prediction here, um, who are players that you could see cracking first team, second team. Um, here we are at the the middle of July, but uh, are there players you have your eye on that you think will get some recognition? They don't have it now because it's based on projection, but actually once they do start with the production part of this component, the end of the season, you know, that, that December 2nd news release that comes out, what players do you think have a chance to scoot up there?
1: And we're talking about West Virginia, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think a will be in that picture. Cause again, he just kind of, he does so much or did so much. And I'm assuming he's going to be taking on a bigger role this year. And there might just be one of those scenarios with, Josh Chandler, tomato. That especially if he does kind of move into that Mike position, that you almost have to consider him because he's going to be sitting there with 110 tackles or something crazy. You're like, man, how, how, how do we not even have this guy in the discussion if he's got over 100 tackles? So I'm looking there. Um, offensive line. I, I got man. I'm looking at you know that's that's a good looking group that they already have on this preseason team. But I mean is that it? Like how <laughs> it's many a other na- like right? Yeah, is it am I depressing too many listeners by saying I'm not sure how many would be even be in the discussion? Like I don't I'm not trying to offend anybody, but you really have to put up some big numbers and make big plays to make all conference. I mean that that should go without saying, but this is a, this is a deep conference with a lot of talent in it.
0: The two that jump off to me would be on the lines, actually. Ooh. I think Hakeem Mesador has a chance to make some noise. They're going to put him in you know, some advantageous positions. He could, I think he could be like a, a stats guy in the middle that, that knows what they're calling defensive tackle position. Right. And Dawson Deaton is already the center in the Big 12 that everybody likes, but... Zach Frazier's career is on that ascent where you think he's going to be an all-conference caliber player. First team, I don't know, doubt it, but I think you could see that's a guy that is going to be someone who, who opponents look at on film and say, man, that center's doing a really good job. He's doing some stuff that's you know affecting our defensive line. Wow, look at him, make the calls and organize the plays. I just think he has a chance to be a player who gets some recognition at the end. If you're voting on center, sometimes your, your all-conference offensive line could be like four guards and a tackle. You don't have to go tackle, guard, center, guard, tackle. But maybe people are voting in the traditional sense. He might be the second best center in the conference. He could be one of the best fifteen offensive linemen in the conference. I don't think that's a stretch.
1: No, I don't either. I think that that's got to be in the mix. I, I'm looking around. I mean, could because God, wide receiver always so tough to get in. I don't think anybody's going to crack the tight end group with uh, Kolar from Iowa State in there. But wide receiver, maybe you see Winston Wright put up a lot of numbers. But I feel like. Even still, the the ball is going to be spread around a little too much at West Virginia for somebody to put up the numbers to warrant first team consideration. So maybe you're circling back to, hey, we got to have the Letty Brown conversation of running back again, and and he's better than Robinson, but there's there's not a lot of room for for guys to move into these these this first team look, but I think a lot of guys will be in the mix for second team, third team.
0: Yeah, I want to. I want to say too that I think that Letty Brown's an obvious one here. I I yeah. kind of considered that one
1: because we said that he could have been on the All Conference. Right, right. I think that
0: there's no reason to think he's not going to be first team, second team, something like that. So, um, that's that. That should go without saying there too. And and
1: Garrett Green, of course, right? Because of yes. that thing. Yes.
0: And, and then don't forget offensive tackle Sean Martin. Sean Martin, yes. Yeah, out of nowhere, it's a very surprising development at the end of the season. <laughs> then you have some things like offensive newcomer, defensive newcomer, you know. Could I don't know. Will Caden Prather be the best? No. But, uh, you know, would Wyatt Milan be the best? No. But you have some newcomers to be excited about. But then you look at, like, who the newcomers are in the conference. They're really good. So even like yeah. that, it's a deep and competitive thing there. Defensively, I don't know if Charles Woods will start. Could he be a guy that gets some? Um, maybe. I'm not sure. But then they don't really have a ton of, you know, obvious impact guys that are going to be playing. Um, You know, Deshaun Stevens, Lance Dixon, I don't know. We'll see. So they just don't have a lot of splashy recognition in July. But, again, totally different story in December when when things do come down the the pike there. Um, What is a big deal in June and July would be the recruiting tear. Tear, I guess? They're still on a recruiting tear, right? Yeah, I I think that qualifies. It's impressive to me because this is the stuff happening right now that they kind of forecasted weeks ago. There was some, I don't know, some showboating, I guess quietly silently if you will but you knew that you knew that something was up they just couldn't say it because the players hadn't said it and some of that stuff is hey i'm going to go take my visits but you know i want to commit or whatever and that's got to be unnerving if you're a coach because you've done everything to get that player to commit or to be on the verge of the commit but they really have their hands tied you can't tell them hey don't go any visit anywhere else because that might ruin the relationship but it's really interesting to see that what we believe to be the players that they got commitments from before but couldn't say anything they held the line for a couple of weeks and players yeah. went other places or at least went home and, and other coaches got to get in their ear or their friends or family got to get in their ear. And these are players who could have stayed home or stayed closer to home. Instead, they they stick with it. They commit to West Virginia. I don't know if any of these are new or surprising names, but they continue to kind of move the needle here now. And I believe, did I read this from you? Top
1: 25 is is right there now, right? Yeah, as we're recording this, number 24 in the country. Um And that's, that's saying something, you know, I I think I got a little list going on of when this right before the very first official visit weekend. And, and I'll put this in story form. Once this tear is over, cause uh, as I noted on the board the other day, um, you know, right now it's Monday afternoon. I posted this, I think Sunday afternoon, I think there's still going to be at least a couple more commitments this week. Possibly like it's, it's still ongoing. This tear that we're talking about is ongoing uh, right now. And They've already made a a nice jump up to 24th. They could crack that top 20, uh, at least temporarily. But we also have to remember it's for them to them moving up the rankings the way they are. That's difficult to do because everyone else is getting commitments right now too. It's not, you know, West Virginia is not collecting commitments in a vacuum. Everybody else is getting commitments and West Virginia is just getting better commitments and still moving up the list. So I think that's, that's part of what's impressive to me. Um, Something else uh, we were talking about, oh, about the, the guys taking visits, and that is, I was told that this is kind of a one-time thing. This is not something that they would normally allow under uh, other circumstances, typical circumstances hmm. of, hey, you can commit and then still take other visits, and we'll just keep it silent for a while. I was told this was a, hey, you know, these guys haven't gone anywhere because of the pandemic. They haven't been able to visit anywhere. We can't do that to them. We have to let them see because if you hold them to one visit and they don't actually know it's the right place for them, that's not going to work for everybody. So you, you want them to get to see these other places before they make the decision. And I don't expect in the future, assuming you know visits get back to quote-unquote normal, guys get out to see other campuses throughout the year, take other visits. I do not expect in future years with the same staff for guys to quote-unquote silently commit
0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Wow. yeah,
1: <laughs> That's a good point, though. I, I, it, it was a discussion I had because I, I, I found it odd. You know, uh, We've discussed it before about in past years with the staff where they, they do the let's go tweets when it happens rather than right before the kids... Gonna go public. And sometimes that can lead to a delay between the let's go and the actual announcement by a day, a couple of days, a week, even a couple of weeks in some instances. And we've seen a lot of delays this time around and just because of those visits. And I was kind of told, you know, this is a one-time deal. Like these these guys, this class gets a pass Mm -hmm. to take other visits after a commitment because they want to make sure that these kids get to see what they want. Now They will tell a kid, you cannot publicly commit if you're going to continue to take visits. And we haven't seen that. We have not seen a guy publicly commit to West Virginia and then visit other schools. We've seen guys silently commit, and the coaches celebrate, and then they visit. So uh, there is a little bit of a difference there, but still waiting on one, right, as of this recording. One silent one to come out, which is one of those guys I was expecting this week. So we'll see if that comes out
0: soon. I think it's commendable work. Like, you can... You can throw a party for what they're doing for sure. And again, top 25 is, is rarefied air, especially here. But when you consider the obstacles that are in place, like again, you, you have no choice, you gotta let them do it. It's the right thing. And then they still get them. It's good. They haven't lost anybody yet. Now, will that be the same in December? We'll see. A lot of that's going to have to do with the 12 games you play, but which doesn't really matter in July. I get that. But um, I think that's important too. What, what a big boost here was that Zion young, and Eric Burton both got ratings. They were worth about 21 points. I think that helped out too, but you have individual players who might be worth about the same as those two combined that are, we think, waiting to pull the trigger. So this could zoom up even more. And then I I wrote about this, I think last week in my three things, but you're looking at a class that, that has a chance to be top 20 for sure. And then if a couple of these people that we think are going to pull the trigger, pull the trigger. You're thinking like top 15, which is right. nice. Now, will it, will it end there? That's where it's interesting. But there are some teams you can look at that there's a chance here. Like Boston College is number 14 right now, but they have 22 commits. Yeah. They're not going to add a whole lot more as far as players and points. So um, Baylor is 19, 19 commits. Um, but then then you look at players who are or teams who are right below. Indiana has 12. So Oklahoma State thirteen. USC nine. Kentucky eleven. West Virginia thirteen. So West Virginia probably gonna have what do you think, six more commits?
1: Yeah, probably. I I doubt it'll get above twenty. I mean yeah. we're we're getting we're in the era now where the norm is going to be eighteen to twenty high school kids and then saving the rest for transfers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, look in that eighteen to twenty range, twenty seems very high for me right now, but
0: yeah. So let's give them six more, let's say, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, the West, the, the 24-7 composite, they have a 171.72 with 13 commits. Boston College has a 197.15 with 22 commits. If West Virginia does its average, just average, right, with six more commits, it's going to narrow that gap and move up. And some of the other teams are going to move up, move up, too, with them, but they're going to catch some of these teams ahead of them. So 25 is cool. There's a chance this could, like, be a, a top-20 class, which is – Apparently, not supposed to happen here, but <laughs> it's on the way too. Um, I, I just, this is probably a hard question to answer right now, but how has this happened? Is it because, again, you didn't have them on campus last year? You didn't get a chance to look at them in person. You saw whatever type of film you could, but is it just them working the ground because they had nothing else to do last year? Is it just a confluence of, of players from parts of the country that click with assistance on your staff? What do you think is an explanation for how and why
1: this has happened right now? I think a couple of things. Um, one, it's a great uh, like a great ensemble coaching staff. Everybody is extremely personable. They do a good job. they're They're very diligent in their duties. Um, you know some of these guys, like Jacoby Spells, like West Virginia didn't even get to see him. They didn't get to go down and talk to him in person. They didn't get to have him up. And he's going to Miami because it's right down the street all the time, even during the pandemic, you know, as uh, how did you put it with the doors off or the doors open and the lights off uh, in your in your article that everybody loved? That very popular story that I wrote. (laughs) Yes. Um, And meanwhile, somehow, some way, West Virginia, led by Travis Trickett, is able to like have a better relationship with him than the entire Miami staff just by talking to them on the phone and zoom. And I think that's a credit to the personalities of this coaching staff and the effort that they're all putting in. And the other part of it is, and why I say ensemble, because they all work together. Okay. And I know I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on the previous staff. You know, I've voiced my concerns about some of the recruiting efforts before and some of the things they did very well. But one thing they did not do was have everyone on the same page with the recruiting. I, you, know, you could talk to one person on the staff and ask about a recruit and have no idea who that person was because that person didn't play his position or play on his side of the ball or come from his area. Had absolutely no clue who they were, none. This staff, everyone's involved. They know all the top targets. They know all the recruits. They know all of everyone who's recruiting. I bet you could go quiz them and they could tell you what – area every coach is recruiting if you name name a kid they would say that kid's from such and such that's so-and-so's recruiting area and he's talked to this person this person this person and he's majoring wants to major in this and i think that works when you can bond with more than one person on the staff it means something and it's helping connect with these kids especially when they don't get to get out and visit like they uh, might have otherwise interesting
0: what's on deck
1: here who's uh, on deck here well, hold on. One other thing I wanted to oh. throw in here, which is kind of is really standing out to me, because you remember the first year when this staff, or not the first year, but the second, the second class, this past class, the twenty twenty one class, and they were, I think it's this is it's safe to say, I don't think it's a, a reach to say they were cocky about their recruiting efforts. Was mm-hmm. the Neil Brown and his staff that they were going to recruit like no one has ever recruited before? That it was going to be the best class. They called it months in advance yes, and said they were going to do it and they were confident about it. They were saying it privately, publicly, uh all the way back. Like with the 20, when they were signing the 2020 class, they were saying the 2021 class is going to be the best ever. Mm-hmm. And you didn't hear that about this 2022 class. And I think it was because even they were a little uncertain how it would all work with the limitations on contact and visits and all that stuff. And so for them to, I, I don't want to say not have the confidence because I think they still had the confidence. They were just unsure of the situation. they They were confident in their abilities and their scouting. But the situation was difficult. So I think they were a little more reserved about what they could do this year until they weren't because now they're, you know, killing it on the recruiting trail and and kind of sticking it to a couple big schools here with some some big time targets. So that that's something else that sticks out to me all
0: right. now. Who or what should we be keeping an eye on? Because there, there are some pending decisions that we know are, are still up in the air.
1: Well, you know, I, I put out the who's next to commit to WV football thing last week. And number one on the list was Justin Williams. He committed later that day. Number two was Christian Stokes. He committed later that week. Number three was Travius Lathan. And number four was Jaden Mangum. Um, number three and number four there have not made decisions. But I'm told that both of them could make a decision literally any day now and i feel pretty confident in where west virginia stands with both of those guys uh just had a story this morning uh with uh Rally collins the cornerback turned safety turned linebacker from philadelphia that we both saw at the seven on seven and came back for a private workout and he says his decision could come in july and i have to think that west virginia leads there as well so you, you, and you just saw, uh, I haven't put in this crystal ball pick, but we saw from Brian Doan, who knows the area very well, Kevin Thomas, who I had number nine on my list. So on my list and, and somebody to watch that he picked Kevin Thomas to West Virginia and his decisions coming at the end of the month. So you're talking one, two, three, four guys who have West Virginia probably as the leader, definitely as a leader, depending on who we're talking about, some kind of spectrum here. Um, that are all making the decision in the next couple of weeks. And what Mangum's a four star, Lathan's a four star, Collins is a very high three star. I think Thomas is a very high three star too. I don't have it right in front of me, but you know, this is some some good players we're talking about here. Thomas is above Collins. So, oh, okay. Well then yes, he's also a very high three star then. Yeah.
0: Um you also once predicted they would get four or four stars in this class too. Yeah. But so an well, over under was three and a half. So there you go. Yeah, so Mangum, Lathan, Thomas, Collins, Mm -hmm. if they all four commit, you're at 199.88 in the team ranking score. Yep. Right. That's number 13 in the country. Now, granted, teams may catch up to you, but that's the type of work you're doing. What that would do is leapfrog. The Boston College and the Baylor's that I talked about, and it's going to be hard for them to catch up because West Virginia is still going to have maybe two more to get. So they're going to have a good they're going to have a good footing there for that top twenty for sure. Top fifteen, I don't know, but um it's that's insane. I mean, you're and then if if Thomas doesn't, it's still like one ninety, still pretty good. <laughs> like you wouldn't
1: you wouldn't turn your back on that. That'd be number sixteen in the country. This is crazy. Well, and somebody else I forgot to mention here that. I don't want to say popped back on the radar because he's always kind of been there is offensive lineman, Landon Livingston. Um, He kind of gave me the impression that maybe the staff, he gave me the impression that the staff gave him the impression. He was kind of on hold, like a backup option. Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I was reading too much into it, but uh, now he's back to making a decision this week and I'm hearing it's West Virginia or um, Iowa uh west virginia iowa or indiana so some to keep an eye on you add him and you're pushing you you broke the 200 point barrier i mean he's not as high as everybody else but he ha- is above that teal chip mark i always talk about so he would push west virginia over the 200 point ranking in the in the team team rankings excuse me yeah,
0: that's wild again important stuff but surprising stuff i think but i mean that they make this the new normal or at least something like this every year then Things are certainly going to change on the field. They're changing off the field, too, so um, hey, can't complain about that. Um, I'm going to write about this. Curious what you think here. Brown is Wednesday at media day. I'll be there. I've tested negative. I have my mask, so I can do all this stuff. I can travel on the plane and then go to media day, so I'm in. I'll be there Wednesday and Thursday. Um, Just curious. What questions does Neil Brown have to give answers to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like what's? I'm not saying, hey, who's your backup quarterback? But like, hey, what does your backup quarterback look like? Like, d- does it have to be Dagey? Is it a different gear? Or and, and similarly, like, not not who's your backup running back? But what does a backup running back have to do to d- distinguish himself to make you feel like you can take Letty Brown off the field? Uh, I, I'm just, I mean, we'll have a chance of asking these questions in other settings too. But this is just the first occasion in a while where. You can actually sit down and, and talk preseason football to him, and he can't say, "Well, we'll worry about that when we get closer." They're pretty close, so I don't know anything top of your head that is not obvious but is important.
1: I think there's two things that immediately sprung to mind when you when you brought this up. The first is, and and it's hard because I don't know how. Got to think of a new way to approach both of these questions. Um, one the receivers. The receiver situation I don't want I, I don't think I don't think they'll forget about it the coaching staff that is but maybe fans will they'll just get back to thinking look at all this production uh, we had coming back look at that keep in mind that 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 group struggled like really struggled last year and they need to catch the ball I think they're We saw some accountability about guys, you know, moving to different positions, moving to second team. I'm curious about how he handles that rotation, how he handles that accountability. Um, And the other thing is, have we really fully addressed or readdressed the benching of your supposed starting quarterback for this fall back in the bowl game? And what does it take for you to have to do that again? You know, you know, like is, is that string that short? Like what, how do you approach that? Cause it, it's, you can't just forget about it. You benched your quarterback that you're going to be, have your starter this fall. You benched him in the middle of a game when he was not hurt and it was the right call. It was the right call, but how do you address that again this fall? How do you address that with his confidence with not looking over his shoulder all that stuff. I know it was talked about a little bit in the spring, but we're getting back into actual real live games again. And are is he prepared? Is Neil Brown prepared to pull that trigger again if he needs to? What's going to be the tipping point? And like you kind of you mentioned there, which way does he go for the backup quarterback spot? Hold on one second here. What's going to... <laughs>
0: point all right that's in that's in the yeah. story i'm gonna run that later today good that's an intriguing question because he's done it and guess what there's going to be sixty thousand people there on september 18th and if it's not working well against virginia tech sixty thousand people remember that you did make that move and you won the game against liberty now do you have austin kendall no guess what you also don't have Austin Kendall that's not necessarily a broken situation you have players who can play you think if Garrett Green is ready if Will Crowder is perhaps overachieved for the time that he's been on campus but if the guy that you know isn't doing it um you don't know what you don't know and you're not to put it out there and I, I think I said this to myself on a podcast a while ago I just wonder sometime this season do you just say we've gone down as far as those we've gone down this road as far as we can with this can that's a terrible analogy but anyways i i don't want to go into spring next year not knowing about green slash crowder and also markio is going to be here um i gotta make a change here like because i don't want to start from scratch in the spring i'd like to have an idea what i have and by the way it may help the product on the field too um I, i'd be shocked if those things aren't being considered already if your question isn't already
1: being mulled around in his head i'd be surprised yeah. Okay. I, I, I just, I I know it was talked about a little bit this spring, but it just seems like a. I think everybody wants to just kind of, or at least everybody on the staff wants to just forget that it happened and move on and think that everything will be okay. And it's just it's tough for me to think that it's going to be that smooth. Like you said, when he's sitting in front of sixty thousand fans, and you know, say West Virginia is losing to Virginia Tech, thirteen to three at halftime. Defense is playing great, and the offense can't do anything. Um, is it going to be time to make a move again? And what what's his point? So
0: yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't think I think it's I think it's fair too. Um, here's a here's a question for you too. Uh, was Jarrett Dagey so dogged last year that he's now an underdog this year? Ooh. Take. Is that is that your hot
1: take for today? No,
0: no, no. I just wonder I've read so many preseason things now, people I respect and organizations I respect and a lot of them have come away with something I've I've written around before like we know who he is and what he can do and what he can't do and who he isn't. I understand that. He tried to be who he is last year and I think to some extent tried to be who he isn't just to help some things around him that weren't working and it didn't work out. I just think that you get this idea that if things around him are better, people around him are better, then he's going to be at a higher level. There's a ceiling for sure, but it's still way above, I think, what we saw last year. So, And we all know about the drops. We know about the offensive line shortcomings. But if one or both are significantly better, if you have some game breakers who can catch the ball down the field, he's probably going to throw the ball down the field more. Um, and similar to that, if you have pass protection on the edges and through the middle, you can buy some more time and maybe throw more deep balls. It's not just going to be meshing in the middle and teams aren't going to play zone and choke you off. So anyways... It seems to me that the the wave now has come back up. Everybody was down on Daigie, but also now you look at, I don't know, different opinions, you look at statistics, you look at defenses, and you say, wait a minute, this all makes sense. It wasn't all him. Maybe maybe it will be better. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a guy who's played, you know, 14 games, started 13 for you. Eh, I kind of like this. It's the devil I know, but... I know he can be good because I've seen it. I know that it wasn't all him. I just feel like that, the like I said, that the wave is back up for him now. Maybe people aren't as down on him as they were before.
1: I'm with you, and I think I, I don't think it's a bad take. If that were your take, I don't think it's a bad take because he's. I think we have not seen the best of Jared Dickey, if the, if that's the best way to answer that. I, I think we have seen. Seventy percent of what they can do. You know, it's not like I I just I think we've seen some flashes where he looks pretty good. We've seen some okay, And again, he has not had the best help. The offensive line was constantly in flux last year. Um, COVID issues, injuries, changing young, uh, everything you can imagine. Um, And the run game was. yeah, Yeah. Better than it, two, you know. Two years ago, it was the worst in the country. Like literally, what second worst in the country? Mm-hmm. Yards per carry. Uh, you need a run game if you want to have a pass game, and so I don't think he's got a lot of help. But I think he's taking the brunt of of the um, you know fan backlash. So I still think we the the best of Daggy is ahead of us if he can get his mind right because said... I'm me personally. I'm having a hard time shaking that look on his face in that game against Army. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when he was getting sacked, looking, staring straight at the defensive lineman, and just looking like a deer with the headlights, and and, and getting sacked, and it, it's hard for me to shake that. And you know, maybe I'll shake it when he has one, just one game. Uh, that's all it'll take. But we just haven't seen him in a game since. That's that's the last impression we have of him, is him staring a defensive lineman in the face. That st- running backwards and fumbling the ball. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, he, he's got the arm talent. I think, I think he has the talent to be good. Uh, and and it's still there.
0: Pedigree is there. The skills exist. The ceiling is the ceiling. I understand that, but it doesn't mean you have to hit it and break through it. Sometimes you play near it. And you're going to be pretty good. And that's not a concern for me. I have another, I actually have a take on Diggy that I'll say for what I'm going to write about. That's one of the questions I would ask Brown. I'll put it in there. I think it's a better one. It's not like, it's not a shock take or anything like that, but I think it's a, a reasoned question or concern. But I'll uh, again, I'll have that later on today. Because I'm flying to Dallas, so I can't be working, so I'm getting things done ahead of time, but that'll be there in my stead. Sound good.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, if you're just gonna take time off, Mike, just geez. I could. <laughs> All right. Well I have nothing else. Do you? No, that's it for now. I say maybe we'll have some more updates after Big Twelve Media Days, maybe after West Virginia gets five more commitments in the next two weeks and We'll have to talk some more.
0: Watch out, Boston College.
1: <laughs> Watch out, Virginia Tech. Look out. Yeah, that's gonna happen too. Yeah, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get the VIP board riled up again. Let's not. We might have to cut that part of out Virginia Tech. Get those boys going with their, with their gifs and the, in the message board again.
0: Gif. 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 No.
1: Gif. Gif. Not all
0: this, right. this game. Until next time. I am Mike Azazan.
1: And I'm Chris Anderson.
0: Talk to you later.